Amen. I just want to continue right away. I don't want to delay. I'm excited about what God's given me to speak about today. just want to jump right into it. Who knows that God is good? Is He good some of the time? (laughs) You know, we have that as a line in church, but it is so true. In fact, that's what I want to preach to you about today. Last week, I talked to you about just the, the sovereignty of God, the providence of God. We talked last week how God is sitting above the circle of the earth. He is sitting above it all. God is looking out from, he's, he's, it's only God can do this. He's with you intimately right here in this room, but he's also because he's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He is beyond us. He's beyond the natural. He is in the supernatural and only God can do this. And he is looking. He's looking from outside of time. He's looking from, from generations before to generations after. God is looking at all of it all at once. He sees the end from the beginning. And we thank you, God. We just thank you, God, that you are still looking at our lives. He cares about you today. Isn't that incredible? And it calls us, the Bible calls us to to sit with God. The Bible says, right, Colossians 3, we looked at that, that we are called to sit with God. That the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ, that he took you, even though you're in this body on this earth, he took your spirit and placed it in his spirit, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And if you will choose to look at your life and the world around you through his perspective, you're going to start to see things a little bit differently. It is completely and totally your choice. No one forced you to say yes to Jesus. No one forced you to come to church today. You may have felt compelled by the Lord, but no one forced you. It is completely your choice on what perspective you will have in this life. You can either look at the, at the moment. You can look at the second. You can look at the day. You can look at the week. You can look at the month. You can look at the year. You can look at your life, or you can get beyond all of that. Look, from God's perspective, which is outside of time, it's outside of whether it's a good day or a bad day. Come on. God is looking at your life from a point of view that will never make sense in the natural. And he calls us to live and to look heaven bound, heavenward, just like he does. That's not just for his perspective. If we'll let him, he actually calls us up to him to look at this world as he does. And I want you to look at this verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We read this last week. Those who wait on the Lord. I read it in the New King James. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Who wants renewed strength? Who feels weak in this world sometimes? Or all the time, sometimes. All the time, sometimes, like there are seasons of all the time weakness, but there is a strength that God will give us to those who wait. I pulled this up in the New King James because the NLT, which I love to preach out of, says those who trust in the Lord, which is not not true. That is true. But I love how it it translates it here in the New King James. It's those who wait on the Lord. And specifically that Hebrew word here that we got that word, which also means to trust, is more accurate to wait. It's those who say you know what? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. Who said that before about things in your life? Who has (laughs) said, this does not make sense. I don't get this. And yet, who has also seen as believers that when you step back and you waited and just let God be God, 
who has seen God do what you couldn't do, saw him do beyond what you could possibly imagine. So those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. We'll not be weary. We will walk and not faint. But I want you to look at this verse here. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. God, if you let him, he'll renew your strength. He'll take you up high above. It, see, the problems, they still exist. I, I heard an interesting quote. It said, if you're not in a storm right now, then you're going into one or you just came out of one. And it's so true. That's life. We should not be confused. We should not be surprised as believers that God, if he wanted to, the moment you said yes to Jesus, he could have just removed you and took you to heaven then. But he left you in this earth for a purpose, two purposes. One, to truly understand how good he is, how great he is, how kind he is, that even in the midst of the things of life that the world around you is going through, that you found peace somehow in that same situation. And secondly, so that you can be a light, a lighthouse to those that are still in the storm. And we thank you, God, that you've given us that opportunity. It's an awesome opportunity for us to get to shine for him. But I want you to look, the God is good all the time. It is truly the difference between how we look. If we are looking at the issues, the struggles, the weights, the problems from this world's perspective, everything is always grim. There is no such thing as good news in the newspaper, is there? It's just bad news. But they don't, they, there is good news out there, but it's not even interesting to read about. There's something in humanity that's more interested in hearing the bad news. It's sick, really. <laughs> We're sick people. <laughs> but there's something in it that, that's, that's just like, is, and, and it's, it's really from the enemy. Enemy wants to get you so trapped and so, so in that negative place. But God is simultaneously doing amazing things all the time, isn't he? And no matter what comes, we as believers, we see that there was a terrible time in our lives. We've all had them, and maybe you're in one right now. But through it, when you trusted God, at the other side of it, God was faithful, wasn't he? Has God ever failed you, believers? Has he ever forsaken you? And he, he hasn't. Every single time. It's funny. You'd think we'd learn. But I go to God with this trial. And I say, wow, I don't know how you're going to do this one. I believe you. I know you did the last one, but I don't know how you're going to do this one. It's like I, we should know, but everyone is fresh. It's hard to remember the last one that God was faithful. He is faithful to us. And I love this. I found this verse in Psalm 119. It says in Psalm 119, verse 65 in the NLT. Psalm 119, verse 65 says, you have done many good things for me. You hear that? You have done many good things for me. What's that say? Just as you promised. The Lord has done many good things for me, just as you promised. But it says this in verse 68. You are good and do only good. So he's done many good things for me and we also need to remember that he is good and he does only good. But then it transitions to verse 71. We love this verse, right? 
Come on, let's just read this out loud because this is what we're always quoting, right? What's that say? Come on, let's read that out loud. My suffering was good for me. It says in the New King James, you might know it, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 preacher. I don't know what you're talking about today. I thought you just said God's good. It says in verse 65 that God's done many things for me, just as he promised. Verse 68, he's good and he does only good. But in verse 71, my suffering was good for me. Why? Come on, we've been preaching. I've been on like this season, this last couple months, just telling us to keep praying, keep trusting him, just keep trusting him. God has a purpose and a plan, doesn't he? Remember, Jesus was put on a cross and the enemy thought he won in that moment. This is not the last time you're gonna hear me bring that up. I'm gonna bring that up as much as I need to. Don't forget that the devil thought, and he even says, the verses say, if he knew what was gonna happen, he wouldn't have done it. But he puts him on the cross and thinks he won. The enemy thinks he's won in your life. When he put this trial or just life itself comes around you and then he's on the side mocking you and laughing at you, right? Who's been there? Right? As soon as you get into a trial, you can hear the enemy's voice mocking you, telling you you put yourself in this situation. You're this or you're that or whatever. And just remember, it doesn't matter what you've been in or how you got there. God is faithful. God has an answer. You need to know that. Know it now because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, did he? That just as Jesus rose again, and the Bible says that that very same power, the same exact power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is working in us. And that means not just specifically a, 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 a big power, a great power, but specifically Power that takes death and brings it back to life. Power that takes what came to oppress you and crush you and even kill you and put you in a grave. That specific power takes you out. It's a power that's constantly taking you out. Who has seen God do that? Who's seen God keep taking you out? Just when you think, man, I'm in it again. I don't even know how I got there. And you know what? You're going to drive yourself crazy just trying to wonder. Don't even worry. Don't even start wondering unless the, God, unless the Lord starts speaking to you and dealing with you in a specific area and showing you that I need you to deal with this. This is, this is how you got into this spot and I want to get you out. Unless he's done that, don't even worry about it. Just know that God's faithful. He's going to take you out. Keep trusting him. Keep staying integrous. Keep leaning upon him. God is good, not just some of the time. He's good all the time. And it was good that I was afflicted. And it's because of this. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9, so, come on, everybody say, so. What does he say? So. So means that let's connect the dots here. What I just said is going to connect to what I'm about to say, right? We don't live to satisfy our flesh. We're not living for ourselves. We're living for God. We've made a choice to live for God. And he said, so, so let's not get tired. If he's warning us, so let's not get tired. What is he saying? 
The potential is that in this world you will get tired. So let us not get tired of doing what is, there's that word again. Why is that word there? Doing what is good, because God is good, right? All the time. My affliction's good. Everything that God does, whether it looks good or bad in this earth, or to our eyes, or to our flesh, is good. It is for your good. And you'd say, how is it possible that my suffering was good for me? Well, it's not pleasing for a child to be punished. Whatever that is, you use your interpretation. Grounding. He's time out in the corner. It's not pleasing for that child for that moment, but it's for their good, isn't it? We're not doing it because we can. Let me show you who's boss. It's because it's for their good. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. And what's this, this next verse? I love this. What's this say? At just the right time. Come on, you need to get that. God is good, and he's good all the time. 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 So now you're in a place of suffering. You're in a place of trial. You're in a place of confusion. You're in a place of worry. You're in a place of fear. You're in a place where the enemies put you there. You put yourself there. Who cares? You're just in a place where you need God. Keep trusting. Keep holding on. Because if we do not give up in that moment, come on, what's it teach us? What does that moment teach you? It shows you, hey, wait a second. I didn't give up and God was there. I just kept trusting him. I kept leaning upon him. And it was good that I went through that. Who has been through something and would never give it back? Who's been through a horrible experience, but you actually don't want to get rid of it in your life because it made you who you are today? You don't want to get rid of that because now it's made you strong. It took that to craft the strength that you have in you. Sometimes you got to go to the very bottom. You got to go to the very bottom to find out how good God is. That first of all, he'll take you from the very bottom to the very top, first of all. But secondly, not only do we see that miracle working power in him and then working through us, but we also see that there's a purpose. We see that, hey, I don't want, we, we start to realize I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste my life. We start, there's, there's just a myriad of things that God starts revealing through that time, doesn't he? And if we don't give up at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. God's working on you. I want you to say that out loud. God's working on me. Come on, say it again. God's working on me. And that's a good thing. God's God though, isn't he? God is God. His ways are his ways. He has a way and it's not our ways. He has a way. But I love what it says. And if you go to Revelation and you see Jesus talking to the churches and he speaks to the seven churches and they could be literal. That could have been the time or spiritual. doesn't matter. I encourage you to go read that. It's right there at the beginning of Revelation. But he tells to the seven churches, if you overcome, Come on, if you overcome. He says to each one of them, if you overcome. He tells them some good things about what's going on in their lives and some bad things. Because any good parent, any good father is going to do that. Give them a little bit of life first, then, <laughs> then you deal with some of the issues, right? Teachers do the same thing at parent-teacher meetings. <laughs> oh, your kid's wonderful. But here's what we see. <laughs> But he said to them, if 
you overcome. You will eat from the tree of life. I'll give you hidden manna. I'll give you a new name. I'll write my name on you. You'll have power over the nations. I'll clothe you in white. I'll put a crown on your head. I'll make you a pillar in my temple, and you'll sit with me on my throne if you overcome. Who wants to overcome? And if God said if, why would he tell us an if? Why would he tell you an if if it wasn't possible? We need to trust him. The world around you, some things that get so oppressive, the devil puts that pressure around you so heavy, sometimes you think, I'm never getting out. I'll never overcome this. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You will overcome, because God said to us, if you overcome, which means it's possible, you will overcome. You need to get rid of that mindset right now. You will overcome. You will overcome. Come on. I will will. overcome. Overcome. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Fact. You will have. But, what's it say? Take heart. Because I have overcome the world. So we can overcome because Jesus overcame. We can overcome because Jesus overcame. He said, you will have trials and sorrows. I wish it was, I wish it was a little bit different. But good thing we're not God. We have a messed up world. We'd all have our own perspective. Our world would be our world. So I'm glad that there's one above it all. <laughs> sets a standard. And he said, I'm not going to take away the trials and sorrows. I'm going to do something that's so beyond the, the, your natural realm. I'm going to use those very same things that the devil puts against you. The world around you tries to crush you and kill you. If you will let me use it, I'll use that very same thing because I'm going to show you the way. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet when he's speaking this. And Jesus is like, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to let the world, I'm going to let them mock me. I'm going to let them beat me. And I'm still going to say, well, they're putting the nails in my hands. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And watch what happens. They can't keep me in the grave. They can't keep me down. You cannot stop what God has spoken. It's coming. It's finished, he said on the cross. He said, it is finished. It is done. Right there on the cross, your situation, your trial, your your worry, your fear, your sorrow was done. But we have this thing called time, right? I say this often. There's, it's weird. It's done in the spirit, but now we're in the natural. There's time. So what we have to understand is if God already said it, if it's finished, it's done. We don't understand because we're going through the moment by moment. He's outside of those moments. He's outside of time. You need to understand that, okay, this doesn't look like it right now, but right now is fake. This is not real. This is a lie. This thing, the devil's trying to, to, to get me sidelined. Get me, he's trying to sideswipe me just to get me distracted, the fact that we've already won. It's already finished. My name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life for eternity. Come on. And so this place, whatever he does, what can he take? It's only temporary. What can he really do to you? It's only temporary. Even your body is temporary. There's a new one being crafted for you right now. Come on. Am I preaching today? (laughs) 
He said in 1 John 5, 4, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. It's fact. It says in John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, New King James, and have overcome them. We've overcome this world because he who is in you, come on, he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. But if you live in the flesh, come on, we keep coming back to this common theme this season. We have this concept throughout the entire Bible. It's called flesh and spirit. This is flesh right here. My mind is flesh, right? Your mind is worry. Your mind is fear. Your mind is trouble. Your mind is, I don't know how to do this. Uh, I'm suffering. I'm tired, and et cetera, et cetera. You guys, I don't need to teach you that. You know the flesh. The spirit is God's way. It's very simple. That's the simplest definition. Man's way, your mind, and God's way. And we have to choose to do things God's way, which is, you're right. Come on, don't lie to yourself. I am tired. I am frustrated. I'm afraid. I tell God all the time, I'm afraid. It's not a lack of faith. Just tell him I'm afraid, but I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to stay there. I'm afraid, so help me, Lord. Come on, give me faith. Help me to not be afraid. I don't know how to do this. I tell God all the time, I don't know how to do this. It's not faith. It's pride to say, I got this. Whoa. I'd rather just be honest with God and ask him for the strength to do what I can't do. We need to let God finish what he started. Philippians 1.6. Are we doing all right? I'm just, I'm just going to keep moving. We need to give God a chance before we freak out. <laughs> I wrote this down. I, I said, you know, this is so many times for us. We say, God, help me. We pray that prayer, but the very second we finish praying, we're expecting the answer to be that second. I feel like God's like, give me a second. Just give me a second, Right? Come on, parents, who can identify with this? Your kids ask you to do something. But you're a parent. You got 50 million things that you're doing. And, and you heard it, you acknowledge it, and you will do it. I'm not talking about the parent who's just whatever, uh-huh. But you're gonna do it. But give me a second. I have to finish this first, and I will absolutely help you with such and such. God doesn't need time. That's not the point. The point is, just let God be God. Let him, he's got a way, he's got a plan, it's beyond you. And it might not be the very second you pray. But don't think it's not coming. Come on, we looked at that some weeks ago. Daniel prayed, and if he was, if he was like our flesh so many times, you would have thought, well, I guess that's that. Because 21 days go by, no answer. Come on. But on the 21st day, the answer came, and the angel said, the very moment you prayed, I, the answer was on its way. It just got held up in a place that yeah, you don't understand. There's a spiritual world that's being battled for your soul. But you can't stop it. Come on. You cannot stop it. It may have been held up. Your answer may have been held up for, an unforeseen, for a reason that's beyond us. But God's answer is coming. Your change is coming. The, the sorrow, the trial, the storm you're in, it will end. And victory is on the other side. And it says in Philippians 1, 6, I am certain... That God, come on, we need to be certain. Come on, everybody say, I'm certain. I'm certain. I'm certain. I'm certain. We need to be certain. Now, you know, guys, do not sound certain today. <laughs> I am certain, certain that God, who began the good, wait, there's that word again. Come on. 
because God's good all the time. Not, not just when it seems good. Come on, I've been saying this, preaching this a lot these last months, but I have to because God just needs us to get this, that he's good all the time and he who began the good work just doesn't feel so good. And I'm gonna, we're gonna look at some of those verses. Doesn't feel so good sometimes, but it's the good work within you and it will continue. What's that say? It will continue. It's gonna continue. Come on, everybody. It's gonna continue. He's going to continue his work until we get to that so-so point, you know, good enough. He's going to continue until it's finished. He's going to continue because that's what Jesus said. Did Jesus go part way? He thought about it. I love that Jesus thought about it. I love that Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and, and sweat blood. I don't love that he suffered, but I just love that I can identify because he had to become human like us for his blood to be equal to ours. And he was a human just like us, even though he was the son of God. And he sweated blood and he said, Lord, if there's another way. But he said, not my will, your will be done. So on the third time he prayed the prayer, Jesus prayed three times to get out of the cross. Three times. Is there another way? but not my will, your will be done. And he went to the cross and he said on the cross, after bearing the pain, after bearing the suffering, after bearing the cross, he did it and he showed us the way. He said, I'm gonna show you. You wanna know what the definition of being a Christian is? Pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. I show you the way. He said, I'm the way. So Jesus is the way. Here's the way. He tells us, as the church, pick up your cross and follow me. I'm going to show you the way. You bear that cross, and there is victory on the other side. Devil can't hold you down. He cannot stop you. He may even kill your very body. He's not going to kill your spirit. Cannot stop you. And it is finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Come on, what victory we have in him? Come on, what victory we have in him? He says in Zechariah, I got a lot of verses today. I'm just going to keep moving. Zechariah 4, verse 8, it says, they were re trying to rebuild the temple, and the Lord said to him, he said, message came from the Lord, verse 9, Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. God's going to finish what he started in you and the work that he called you to do, the thing that he asked you to do, if you will let him, that's his word. Come on, that's his word. He doesn't want someone else to finish your work. He wants you to finish your work. Someone else will. God will raise up someone else because he loves the, he loves the whole world. He loves you intimately. This is only God can do this. He loves you intimately, but he also loves the world. And if you won't do what he's asked you to do, he will ask someone else, but he wants you to do it. That was his word. His word said, the one who laid it is gonna finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. I could just keep going here. So let me just keep, I wanna stay on point. Come on, God is working on you. It says in 1 Peter, I looked at this verse recently. I want to bring this verse back up. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy. Come on, it's His mercy that we've been born again. It's because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Verse 4, And we have a priceless inheritance. Did you know you had an inheritance? It says an inheritance that is beyond this earth. 
It's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled. No matter what inheritance you could get on this earth, eventually it goes away. Eventually it's gone. Even the clock of your life eventually ticks its last tick talk. But we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Isn't that incredible? And it says, and through your faith, so God has something prepared for you and you have faith, which is what? Faith is, I believe you, God, not just when it's convenient, not just when it's easy. Faith is actually really faith when it's hard. Because before that, it really doesn't require any faith. If God is just giving you and showering you and showing you everything, and I love those seasons, that's easy to believe him. But as soon as it doesn't make sense, as soon as the storm is in front of you and you're going, I don't understand this, that's when faith has to come out of you. And, and I have to know, okay, I'm looking heaven bound. I got to get my eyes next to Christ. I got to sit next to the Father like he called me to and get into Christ again. And I got to start looking from a different perspective. Because even though this doesn't make sense right now, this is temporary. And you know what? I'm just going to trust that God knows a little more than I do. And he knows how to do what I can't do. And I should know better. Come on. Because he's done this and that and this and that and this and that and this and that for me over and over again when I prayed and believed him and trusted him before. Why would he fail me now? He says, so and through your faith, God is, I love this. Look what he's doing. He's actually protecting you. By his power, until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see, so be truly glad. Come on, I want you to say this out loud. I'm glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. One more time. All together. There is wonderful joy ahead. Everybody loves the comma here. Come on, you love my choice of verses, don't you? Come on, truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead. Even though I must endure many trials for a little while. <laughs> Come on, I love his word, don't you? And you know, just when we get, you know, when we're really... This is, is such simple. Christianity is simple, and Jesus is simple. And he said, you have to become like a child to come to me. We just overcomplicate things. Most of the time when we're in confusion and in worry and in fear and in sin, we just haven't gone back to the Word. At the soon as you feel like, I don't know what's going on in my life, just go back to the Word. I'm not saying it's going to be an instant relief. Sometimes that takes a week two weeks of word, but go back to the word. Every single answer is right there. Because if I go back to the word, then I can say to myself, not to you, I would never insult you this way. Duh. Duh. Oh, I'm in a little trial right now. Well, duh, because that's what Jesus told me. That's what the word says, what Peter penned down for a little while. There's going to be some trials, but it's worth it because I got wonderful joy ahead on the other side. Come on, we're against the flow. We've decided to reject this world, reject its false, fake, 
temporary retirement and inheritance for an eternal one. We've decided to live for him and to shine a light for him. And because of that, we're going to face some opposition. But that's okay, because if we just endure it, not only will he get us through, and he will, because we just saw it every single time, but some other people around us will say, hey, how did you do that? Because I couldn't do it. And there's an inheritance that cannot be touched. It's beyond change and beyond decay. Come on, God's word is good, isn't it? Isn't God good all the time? And it says, these trials, verse 7, will show that your faith is, come on, genuine. The trial shows because even Jesus, the Son of God, he said, he said this out of his own lips. I only do what the Father tells me. I only say what he tells me to say. So now the cross comes, and he prayed, and the will of God was clear. The cross is necessary. It's going to do something that's going to change the world as we know it. It's the only way. At that moment, Jesus, who said, I trust him, and I only do what he says, and I only say what he says, his faith now was, was genuine because he did what he said. Come on. And listen, can I tell you something? The moment you give a proclamation, I'm trusting God. Don't be surprised. The moment you do a good thing, the moment you trust God, the moment you pray, the moment you make, you decide, I'm not going to let this thing affect me. The moment you give a kind word instead of wrath. The moment you do that, don't be surprised. There comes the enemy to test what you said. But God said, I don't see the enemy in this verse at all. Who cares? Come on, I, I know we care in the moment. I care in the moment. I'm concerned, what is this? Why is this? We shouldn't be because God's actually using it so that my faith, my faith is actually the genuineness of my faith. It's being tested as fire, test and purifies gold. What God's actually doing is he's taking out the fear. I'm deciding I'm gonna have faith. Well, where's fear? It's gone. I'm going to have faith. So the fire is necessary to get that thing out of you. It doesn't work any other way. You don't even know. You're, you don't even realize that you've actually been relying on your own strength all along. And then all of a sudden the fire comes and it's going to make you decide. I'm either going to trust you or I'm going to burn in this fire. I'm just going to trust that you got me. And God is purifying you through your faith. It's as though your faith, sorry, is far more precious than mere gold. But he's giving us this analogy. It says the faith that you have is going to be tested just like gold is. But when your faith remains strong, come on, say, I'm remaining strong. When it remains strong through many trials, it will bring you, come on, we just looked at this verse some weeks ago. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We just need to hold on 
We just need to know that God's up to something. God's working on us. Just let him keep doing what he's doing. I mean, again, I could go on and on. I will be kind to you. I won't go on and on. But it says in Psalm 119, 119, he says that he's going to take away in the New King James, the dross. He's going to take away the dross. God is actually using the things that are the fires in your life to get the junk to bubble to the surface. This is what the refiner, he said, it's just like the refiner's fire. He said, I'm going to get the dross out of you. Well, it says in Malachi chapter three, and this is a prophecy about Jesus. Who wants Jesus in your life? Who wants Jesus in your life? That name right there. We don't want a, a symbol of Jesus. Come on. I don't want just the name of Jesus. You know, that's a name as well. But then there's the name of, my, of the Son of God, of my Savior, the name of Jesus. I want the real Jesus. Well, you want the real Jesus. Let's go to the Word. I can't just make up Jesus. Yes, He is love. Jesus is love. That's the epitome of who He is. But He's also this. Malachi chapter 3. Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare. Verse 1. He will prepare the way before me. Talking about John the Baptist preparing for the Lord. And it says... He says, you are seeking and suddenly he'll come into his temple. The messenger of the covenant, which you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 2, but who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to endure when he comes? Your flesh and Jesus, they don't mix. But he loves you so much. He loves you so much that all that junk in us. Come on, who's got some junk in you? Let's just be honest. Why lie to God? He sees it all. <laughs> he made you. He made you. He knows. I'm not going to lie to him. I know I got junk in me. I got stuff that he does not like. But guess what? He's also very faithful to me and loves me and has mercy and grace in the process. And he is faithful to do what he says. And he's going to finish what he started. And he said that your flesh is not going to be able to stand. That's why what happens? You go through the word. And when they got before God, they fell to their knees. Your body can't even help it. You get before God, and there's a, there's a sovereignty to Him. There's a reverence to Him. Your flesh cannot stand before God. But there's hope. I'm not saying that's it. What's our hope? There's, we're done. But it says, He's like a blazing fire that refines metal, like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. See, He cleans us and refines us. And He will sit, verse 3, like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. And it says, he will purify the Levites. You are a Levite. Levites are just the, those that are the priests and kings of God, right? That's us. We're the Levites, New Testament Levites. He will purify you and refine you like gold and silver so that, look, they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. God is using the fire. Come on, he's, you say, Lord, when's this going to end in my life? When's this thing going to be gone from my life? And the Lord says, <laughs> let me finish what I started. Come on, let him finish. But I have some hope for you, and I just want to finish with this. Just a little hope. Lord may be dealing with big stuff. It might be big chunks of junk floating to the surface. Let him take that out of you. Let him get rid of it. It's not doing you any good. But if he's dealing with the little things... Who's, been, who's letting God deal with little tiny things, things you thought, God, 
I didn't even know that was in me. And it's tiny, seems small, seems like nothing. There's such hope because you have to understand the process. The refiner, what he does is he takes the gold out of the, out of the ground, the silver. I mean, it's out of the dirt. And at first, right, we come to Christ, what happens? We've been washed in his blood. We come in like filthy, dirty sinners, and he loves us, but he throws us right into the pot, throws us right in. And all that dirt and stuff, that comes off immediately. But in order to get to the impurities deep inside, you know what has to happen? You've got to melt you down. Come on, who's felt melted by God? Come on, who has felt like he has crushed you? In fact, you were promised, you're like, Jesus' love doesn't feel like he's loving me right now. <laughs> he is. Come on, I need to encourage you. He is. It's the very thing that he needs. He loves you so much. He's good. He's beyond. You can't use your mental, this world mentality to understand him. It's not going to work. But he's getting down to those tiny little things. But if you're at that stage, come on, believers, you should be encouraged. If you're at the stage now where the dirt's gone, the big stuff, the chunks, and he's dealing with little fine stuff, there's hope. There's such hope. That means that, come on, we should look and say, wow, you boiled me down and you, and you scooped off the dross once before, and you boiled me again, and you scooped off the dross again, you scooped off the dross again, and now the refiner, now he's looking. He's looking pretty good right now. But I need to get this out because I'm pure. Be holy because I'm holy. But I need to get that out of you for your own good. But there's hope that if he's down to that stage in your life, that's such an amazing hope that we should have that, wow, God, you did take that out of me. You did take that out of me. That's gone. That's gone. I don't think this way. I don't do this. We should have such hope today if he's working on those little things. But I have to encourage you to let him finish what he started. Let him do it. Let him get it out of you. I know it's a little painful temporarily and you blame it on the devil. You could blame it on husbands and wives and whatever and this and that and, and your workplace and whatever. God's using it all to get the fire to burn so that you react and you say, wow, God, you want me to react? Yeah, so that you hear it that, wow, that's in me. Gets you to get into fear, gets you to get into worry. Not so that you can stay there and glory in it or to crush you and make you feel silly, but so you say, wow, God, I'm so sorry. We come right back to the very same thing we did the first day. Lord, I repent. Forgive me. I need you. I need a savior. That doesn't stop. When those things come out, we realize, hey, I still need you. And then you know what he's faithful to do? He says, you're done. You're ready. Give me that. And we just let it go. We try to hold on. You know what he's going to do? He loves you so much. You hold on to that, what's he gonna do? Put you right back in. You wanna get done with the trial, get out of the fire? Just let him have it. Let him have your fear. You need to even give, and this is for somebody, even the fear of death. You need to just let that go. You need to say to him, even if I die right in this very moment, I know I'll be with you. I know there's eternity waiting for me. You need to get rid of that because that thing is crippling, it's holding you. You need to just let that go. Come on, just for somebody. Let's just stand. Let's just stand right now. Lord, we thank you. Every eye closed. I just want to pray. Lord, we thank you that you're so good to us. You love us so much, Lord. We thank you. We don't understand, and that's okay. But Lord, you do. You're looking above it all. 
And Lord, I thank you. You're seeing generations even ahead of us, Lord, of why our lives count, why it matters. And we thank you, Lord. We're going to let you finish what you started in us, and we're not going to question. We're not going to tell you how to do it. Lord, we're just going to give you the reins and let you have it, and let you have even, Lord, what we think is not necessary to get out of our lives. Lord, you're going to take it, and I thank you, Lord, be gone from us forever. And he doesn't leave you. When he takes it out of you, then you're pure, you're holy, you're like him. He Then he can start filling you with things that you didn't have, supernatural wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and the fear of the Lord. Those things start coming into you. We thank you, God. We praise you, God. We just give it to you right now. We release. Come on, as a church, I just want you, this is just between you and him, but I want you to search your heart right now and then do that throughout the day, throughout the rest of the week. Search your heart. He's already speaking to you. He's already shining his light on areas. And you need to just let him do it. But let him search. Just let him keep searching all day and all week to show you those things. They're not that he hates you and, and he looks at you like you're small, but he wants them out of you for your own good. It's for you. Get it out of you and for the good of the world he put around you. The, the world will, around you will be influenced. Thank you, Lord. It will be influenced when they see that that stuff is not in you. And how is that possible? But I thank you, God. It's only through you. They're going to see Jesus shining through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.